Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Hear this text from chapter 25, verse 14. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, bien, good and faithful slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you have handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you know, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So... Take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those, or from those, who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's begin with the gnashing of teeth. 
This is one of those texts that we might call a text of terror. It frightens us. We read this and it just it leaves a, dis, uh, a taste in our mouths, an unsettled feeling in, a, in our gut. I want to admit to you with some gladness that sometimes I am a faithful uh, disciple of Jesus the Christ. And sometimes I try to be faithful. I fail, but I try. And I'm sure God will want to give me an A for effort. But sometimes I am not faithful. And not only am I not faithful, I'm not trying to be faithful. I'm not lifting one finger to be faithful. This text says, with the sternest of warnings, that, that we ought to be faithful. If we don't want a one-way ticket to that dark outer darkness where there's a lot of gnashing of teeth, then we should be faithful. This serves as the sternest warning in all of the New Testament, if you ask me. Live the faith, invest your talents for good, or else. But I'd like to su suggest to you this morning, this is not a text primarily about fear at all. When we read the gospel of Jesus, we notice that Jesus' ministry is not governed by fear. Do you notice? Pick any story you'd like. Where is their fear? There's just not. Jesus is one who appears not to be afraid, though he had much to be afraid of. Jesus' ministry, we know, was motivated by urgency, sure, but fear, no. Jesus' ministry is marked by joy and love and compassion and all those other fruits of the Spirit that Paul talks about in the fifth chapter of Galatians, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, etc. Uh, humility, yes. Courage, yes. But fear, no. Jesus' ministry is not marked by fear. I think it's fair to say that when faithfulness is motivated by fear, it's devoid of joy. Faithfulness motivated by fear is devoid of love. And faithfulness without love is not faithfulness at all. Fear brings sickness. Fear brings dis-ease. You know it does. Enmity and strife. Fear builds walls. Fear stirs suspicion. Fear tears at the community. We have enough fear in this world, if you ask me. No, Jesus is not trying to scare us to death, not scare us into faith. Fear is not his point. His point is to invest in the faith and live the faith fully, live the gospel fully and hopefully and faithfully, spending our whole lives in service to God. That's what Jesus' plea is. That's what Jesus is aching for us to do. Jesus is begging his disciples to invest in life. So he's using a banking metaphor, of course. Um, uh, three servants are given some talents. A talent is a very large sum of money, actually a huge sum of money. Two servants, they invest, and one servant does not invest. Uh, why does the one servant not invest? Well, he's... He's paralyzed by fear, of course. So the two invest, and when the master returns, they give him what, what, what he gave them plus what they earned in the investment. And the master's very happy with them. Uh, 
But the third person is not rewarded because he was afraid to invest. He had buried all that money in a hole and he gave the master what was his. But he never did what the master asked him to do, to invest. This story is about investing what has been entrusted to our care. In other words, God has given us gifts to share. We're called to share these gifts. We are not called to hoard these gifts. God does not want us to bury our gifts in the ground. We're called to live generously. We're called to live life fully. If we let it, of course, fear will paralyze us. Jesus is saying loudly and clearly, do not let that happen. Do not be afraid. Be brave. Step up into your calling. Use what you've been given for the good of others. Invest in life. Invest in building a community of hospitality and welcome. Take, take risks to do good. Jesus is saying, invest in me. Look, y'all, I won't be with you physically forever. You need to invest in me. He's telling his disciples, you need to be rooted in what I'm talking about. Invest in me. Now, I don't think this parable, the master in this parable, and by the way, the master in this parable does not represent God, okay? But I don't think the, the master in this parable would be angry if he came to you and said, okay, I gave you five talents, where's my investment? I don't think he'd be angry with you if you said, well, I invested it. I, I studied the market, I did what I thought was wise, but I lost every bit of it. I don't think the the master would be upset with that because he asked you to invest. Investments don't always pan out. Sometimes it doesn't work. The master of all people will understand that. But you did what you were asked to do. Jesus is urging, urging his listeners likewise to be bold and invest. Invest. Don't be afraid. Uh, be faithful to God by giving of yourself. Share what God has given you. Be the blessing you were created to be. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how much talent you have or how much you have to give. Whatever it is that has been entrusted to your care, give it freely and openly. We use, if we use our gifts only for ourselves, and this is what we're taught to do, by the way, take care of yourself first, the, the mask falls from the the ceiling in the plane, put that on first and then help others around you, which makes sense when you're oxygen deprived, but it doesn't make sense with our generosity. We're taught to live only for ourselves, but if we do, only for ourselves, only for our family, only for our small circle, only for our church, well, shame on us, shame on us, because that's not what we're called to do or called to be. We're called to live more generously than that. We're called to live more generously than that. John Buchanan at 4th Pres, retired from 4th Pres in Chicago, says this, If we risk nothing in life, we're already living in the farthest land of outer darkness. Our selfishness and laziness have cut us off from our neighbors in the world that God calls us to embrace. By burying our talents in the ground, by not caring, by not loving passionately, by not investing ourselves, by not risking anything, is something akin 
to death. If we don't invest in life, we already know what the land of outer darkness looks like. So it's not a text about fear. Jesus is telling this two-dimensional story simply to remind us, to remind his disciples how fear can lock you up. Don't let that happen. Live generously. You've been given much, by the way, so invest it and use it wisely. And if you think this text is about fear, then you and I have simply missed the point. This text is about life and generosity and investing in the gifts that God, investing the gifts that God has given us. You all know this week, perhaps, that Reverend Deborah Owen, the pastor of St. Peter's United Church of Christ, died this week after her uh, battle with cancer. Uh, Deborah was a thoughtful theologian, very thoughtful woman, a good, good pastor, a justice-minded neighbor. Uh, on Saturdays in the rain in the morning, she was at meetings uh, working with people from all around our community to build a better, uh, better community. She was active in the Illinois Conference of Churches on their race commission, thinking about uh, race and how we are called to uh, build a, a world where we aren't such racists. Um, when I interviewed here, she was one of your church references. And I called her, and she had a generous and uh, hopeful uh, view of our community and was eager to welcome me here. She served several churches in Champaign-Urbana as an interim, as a part-time supply, um, uh, as a fill-in, in all sorts of capacities. She, She is wise and widely known and widely respected and deeply loved, and she will be missed. Raise your hand. You know Deborah Owen? You know Deborah Owen? Man. Every minister sort of loves and not so much loves ministers like Deborah because we all want to be like her. And we fall so short. Deborah taught me this statement. She, she didn't write it, but she's the one who introduced it to me. Uh, church people and God people are not the same thing. Church people and God people are not the same thing. Church people go to church. God people are the church. Jesus is saying in this text, though there was no church, there was the synagogue, but he's saying to people of faith, be the church, be be the faith, live it, live it, invest all that you've been given into what I've been teaching you and talking to you about and risking my neck for. Invest in life, invest in your neighbor, Invest in me, risk your life by giving it away, and do it in God's name, the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer. Amen. May we pray. Help us, holy God, to be faithful.
not fearful. For we ask it in the name of your courageous Son, our Lord Jesus the Christ. And the people of God together say, Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.